The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from the basement of Western Drumlands, it's Doctor Who, Podshock. Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 273. And down in the stank, dirty, dusty basements, it's two statues. Oh, no, it's uh, Mr. Dave Cooper and Mr. Louis Trapani. Hello. Hey, Dave. Hey, Ian. Yeah. And uh, we're... Yeah, when you're in a cellar surrounded by uh, weeping angels, you definitely want something like that to cheer you up. Well, that's the show we're out. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding, folks. And the voice you're hearing right now is Mr. Ian Bissett. Hello, Ian. I'm here too. <laughs> <laughs> we're all here, and we're here to bring you Doctor Who Pachak number two seventy three, as Ian had wisely spoken earlier. It was three <laughs> two seventy three. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> as we record this episode two seventy two, is still baking in the oven. But, uh, but, but when you hear this, it would be out. So it, it's an, an extra episode reviewing K uh, nine and Company. So. I hope you had enjoyed that, and um, if you haven't, please um, consider becoming a Podshock supporting subscriber. Well, uh, you might be already a supporting subscriber and not enjoyed the episode, so I shouldn't say that. It's not a foregone conclusion that if you heard it, you enjoyed it, but it should be. (laughs) It was a masterpiece. We gave of our all. Yes, it was a lot of fun to do. Some of us gave more. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. All right. Well, it's been a very, very exciting and busy uh, couple of weeks. Um, I know uh, last week was uh, Blog World and New Media Expo, which I was at as as always, and uh, ran into a few of our listeners there. So uh, I want to thank uh, those that did attend and took some time out to uh, to speak with me. And we had um, some catching up with some Doctor Who stuff and non Doctor Who stuff alike. Uh, while I was there, it was um, it was Wednesday during the show. That the USS Enterprise, the um, the first um, space shuttle, the experimental space shuttle that is, is uh, was uh, came to New York and was uh, boarded, was lifted, and did its final landing, if you will, on the USS Intrepid. So I was there for that too, and um, I did a, uh, I, um, I took some photos and did a video of it. So that's um, available. I'll probably, what I'll do is um, I'll post links to it on the 
show notes for this episode. Uh, be easier than giving you URLs on the on the website to them, but definitely check it out. I know it's not Doctor Who related, but I'm sure a lot of people are interested in the the history of the space program and the Enterprise. Though its name comes from um, science fiction, it comes from Star. You know, they, they took the name show. from Star Trek. So uh, I know there's Star Trek fans out there as well. So uh, I, I don't. I somehow don't think it will be the last. Um, machines sent into space called Enterprise now. Well, we've... <laughs> Gene Roddenberry already uh, <laughs> uh, showed us the future, and we know that's not the case. There'll be other Enterprises, yeah. Yes. Of course, the big question, the really big question, will they have an A, B, C, our <laughs> bloody D after the name? <laughs> well... <laughs> James Doohan was recently uh, shot into orbit, so I'm sure he had so he has something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I have one question though about your your uh, your interesting week, Lewis. Did you ever manage to actually get to the end uh, the, <laughs> the the front of that queue at Starbucks? Ah, yes, there was a long line. Yeah, I finally did. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, there's a Starbucks inside the Javits Center, and any and anytime there's like a major event that goes on there. There's the, the line to get to Starbucks usually is longer than the line of the main event that's taking place at the Javits Center. So it's uh, it's incredible, yeah. They uh, stuff up on the coffee so you can get in the line for the event. <laughs> but, but I believe one of your parachutes didn't open when you uh, made a free fall landing. Yeah, I, you know what? I... <laughs> <laughs> the, the the Enterprise wasn't the only thing that landed on the Intrepid. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't. I was on my way to. I, this is what happened: was um, I had, um, you know, I, all the news reports were telling us that the Enterprise was um, going to be, um, you know, g- would be uh, going to the Intrepid on Wednesday morning. So, uh, it, which was the case, it did leave my Wednesday morning, but it, it was on a slow moving barge and it took several hours to get there. So it wasn't going to be loaded onto the Intrepid, which is just uh, a few blocks away from the Javits center where the, where block world new media expo was taking place. So, um, so anyway, I had, um, there was one, one of the websites that, that really like follow that follows all this said at 4 PM is when it was going to be, um, arriving at the Intrepid, and that's when it was going to be um, um, lifted up and put onto the Intrepid. So that was the time that I was um, guessing. But then I had a, a friend of mine who's in Florida, not you, Ian, but I, I do have more than one friend, <laughs> what? Oh, had had uh, messaged me saying that, no, it's happening right now. And this was like, I don't know, um, must have been like around three o'clock or so. So I had to, I was had to stop what I was doing because, um, you know, I wasn't set, I wasn't thinking it was happening at, at this time and ran over there and um, I was taking pictures on the way and there was a crevice in the sidewalk, which I didn't see. I was taking shots while I was going there and I, I took a spill. So I sprained my hand badly and injured my thumb on my other hand. So, um, it's it's still kind of sore a week later, but hey, I got to see the Enterprise. <laughs> Didn't you say it was a badly maintained sidewalk? Yeah, the sidewalk was. Um, you know, first of all, it's it's not a uh, wasn't a cement sidewalk. It was sort of like a asphalt sidewalk, and it's and sometimes if you notice some asphalt in high temperatures, sometimes will dip like like seep like. It was like this crevice in the in the pavement, so and I lost my footing on it, and down I went. 
<laughs> right onto your asphalt, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You beat me to that one. <laughs> I won't let it happen again. Well, I had a backpack with all my gear in the back. If I fell backwards, at least that would have cushioned me, but then it would have probably broke all my gear. So falling forward, at least um, it has all this flesh matter, natural padding that I keep on my waist. So that, well, that stuff can heal, mend on its own. <laughs> but yeah. digital recorders and uh, um, I had, luckily I had my iPhone in a, in a case and that it survived. So... That's the first thing he looked at before he even looked at his hand. Yeah, actually, it was. <laughs> it's the iPhone, right? It's the iPhone, right? Hey, what you should have been inventive and use your iPhone as a splint. <laughs> the dangling limbs all everywhere else. But is my iPhone, right? <laughs> you know where my priorities are, so. So anyway, but because of it, I got you video and photos of the event, and there'll be uh, I'll put links to it on uh, Pachak.net so you can find them. He suffers for his art. Yes, I do. I do. Um, there was no outside of meeting some Doctor Who uh, fans and listeners of the show at Blog World. There was no Doctor Who per se content there. Chad Vader was there once again. Chad Vader. If, is a sort of an internet sensation. Uh, he's the brother of Darth Vader, but he 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 works at a grocery store. So um, it, it's you know it's a bit of a parody. Obviously, it is a parody. Uh, so he was there once again. He was there in 2009 in Vegas, and this time he was back at Black World in New York. So, Luke, uh, I am your grocer. <laughs> <laughs> is he related to Jeff Vader? <laughs> there may be. There, there may be more to the family than I know. Jeff Vader. Oh, dear. That's anyway, uh, cousin, cousin to Ralph Nader. Uh, yeah, the Death Stars uh, sketch, isn't it, Ian? Yes, yes. Tell them who it is. <laughs> yeah, put me on the spot. Thanks a lot, Cooper. <laughs> well, I, I thought you knew about transvestite comics called... I know you brought it up. Eddie Izzard. <laughs> Eddie Izzard. Yes, yes. If anybody has a chance, you know, uh, look up uh, Eddie Izzard. Uh, ah, Eddie. Star Canteen or, or just look up Jeff Fader. Uh, oh, my. Why? Fantastic. You'd be... <laughs> look up Eddie Izzard. <laughs> Depends on whether he's wearing a skirt or not. Uh, anyway. Uh, he, so, he's, yes. he's not doing that uh, too much of that lately. He's more. He's doing more of a, um, well... For the lack of a better term, straight acting type of stuff more recently. Straight acting. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, he, he's well. As far as I know, I don't I don't know him that well, but I, to my understanding, he's he's straight, but he has a flair of for. Um, it's, tra- it's a transverse yeah. yeah, he he brags about that. All right. Well, now that we've come to a dead stop. <laughs> Yes. Hey, Doctor Who. Is there Doctor Who around? <laughs> we'll we'll we'll, we'll um, go forward into the news and. Uh, Shortly after recording this episode of Dr. Who Pachak, we learned the unfortunate news that actress Caroline John had passed away at age 71. She had passed away earlier in the month. Her funeral was on, I believe, the 
31st of June, though. So uh, news broke that she had passed away early in the month. There's uh, no, it wasn't released the cause of her death. So, uh, but she was the companion to the third doctor, the first companion that the third doctor had, she, which was in the seventh year of Doctor Who. So, uh, the episode Spearhead from Space, which introduced the third doctor, John Pertwee, also introduced jo- um, um, Liz Shore, who John, um, Caroline John played. So, uh, Liz Shore, Elizabeth Shore, was a uh, not your usual companion. She was very. Uh, she was a scientist herself, so she was very strong and independent, and she wasn't afraid to put the doctor in her in his place if needed be. So he, he would, she would tell him if he was wrong. Or Liz Shore was the companion for the first year of John Pertwee's run. After that, they went with a more traditional Doctor Who companion. It's with great sadness that we report that that we lost her. She really paved the way for other strong women in science fiction. Caroline John's husband was Jeffrey Beavers. Jeffrey Beavers, you may remember, he played the master in Doctor Who, the Keeper of Traken. So that's that was uh, one of the versions of the master where his uh, flesh was all decrepit and all that. So uh, you don't really get to see the actor's face so much, but but he did do other work in the Doctor Who um, field as well. Along with Caroline John. Caroline John appeared in the 1983 20th anniversary Doctor Who special, The Five Doctors. And of course, she was there for the first story of the Solorians, which we reviewed not too long ago. A significant story in the Doctor Who timeline, as well as Inferno, and as I had said before, Spearhead from Space, which um, we got to see uh, the, the nesting and the Autons appearing in that too. So, some real significant historical episodes. Uh, as when I say historical, I, I don't mean, mean taking place in history. I'm just in in, in Doctor Who's stretch of time, which is significant now, fifty years. So um, she rode in uh, Bessie's doctor's car, the doctor's car, despite that she didn't have a driver's license, and um, <laughs> but she got to ride that. So it's with great sadness that we uh, bid farewell to Caroline John, who um, made her mark in history playing Liz Shore in Doctor Who. She will be greatly missed. So we now go back to the news that we recorded for this episode of Doctor Who Pachak shortly before this breaking news had happened. Uh, I, I don't want to say there hasn't been much news because every time I say that, there's like a whole boatload of lo- news and uh, we're here for a couple hours talking about news. So, But uh, but since um, our last episode, we reviewed K9 and Company, we didn't cover... Um, too much that we did some news, uh, but since then there's been a new photo that was released of well of the new companion with the doctor on set. So with the eleventh doctor, which is to my reckoning is Matt Smith. <laughs> so Jenna Louise Coleman, the latest actress to uh, to be uh, a companion to the doctor, is um, are in these series of photos which are available at the BBC UK site as. Um, you can download them as wallpaper, but they're not they're not um, they're not stills from the episode. They're short, they're like behind the scenes stuff, right? Right, they're standing there looking at the script. Yeah, so I mean, there's not there's not too much you can glean from just you know we can look Ooh. at the wardrobe and can look at the costumes that they're wearing. There's, um, there's no there's no um, there's no episode specified that they're filming. Um, it's just that they're filming Doctor Who. Uh, 
and they're just standing there while there's people working on this, you know, the the scene in the back. And you can't, apart from seeing the TARDIS, the companion, and the Doctor, you can't glean anything. So, and we can only call her the companion right now because yes, we, we don't her. have a name other than the actress's name. Yeah. The only thing I think that's that might be slightly spoilerish in in this uh, is is where the location is, um, and I don't really think that gives it gives anything away either. It's um, um, Margam County Park, uh, home of Morgan, Mar- Margam Castle, and the remains Margam, of I think. Margam yes. Abbey, uh, Abbey Normal, Abbey... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the thing about that, though, is that, um, you know, these, these places uh, are there standing for a thousand years, so it doesn't tell you whether it's still a, a story set in contemporary times or whether they're using it because it gives a... You know, a historic element to it. And the other thing is, um, I mean, we get a much clearer view of the Doctor's outfit, you know, the the new rather muted but rather smart look that he's got, a very sort of tailored jacket with the um, uh, featured lapels and so on, uh, with the uh, the companion's um, dress. The uh, There obviously is a debate as to whether... You know, she's thrown on something while she's keeping warm, waiting for them to go back on set, because she seems to have two or three layers on there. So it's not clear whether all are part of what she's wearing is actually yeah. you know, her companion outfit. Yeah, we, what Dave is saying is that, you know, many times actors and actresses on the set, when it's chilly out, they will put their own coat on or, or whatever over their costumes. So that the, the coat may or may not be part of the costume. She has a coat and a red um, satchel. And that may or may not, it could be, you know, just her pocketbook with her stuff in it. Who knows? Right. It could have just been arriving at the set. It could have just been leaving. You know, could be going for coffee. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the doctor's costume, as, as Dave was saying, is, I think, rather smart. Um, now, it's just, a bit more of a lean towards a, a bit of a, an Edwardian feel, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, a bit of a long coat. He's got not just the, the jacket that he had before it goes down. It's difficult to tell because you don't get uh, you know full length, but it does go down past his waist, um, down towards his knees. I'm assuming it's at least three quarter length, length, you know, three quarter length. Um, but it's, it, it looks to be in this picture to be uh, kind of a purplish, mm-hmm. mauvey kind of. Well, not not, not just yeah, not 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 Jimi Hendrix purple more. Oh. Um, you know, just, just, yeah, those just, that just, haven't seen it might be visualizing it very differently. Right. It's not. No, it's, got, it's not John Pertwee purple. It's it's no, it's, it's, it's a mauve shade of grey. You know, it's yeah. it's earth tone, but but as Ian said, like has that purple t- feel to it. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 very smart indeed. Um, a matching tie are, are and and a waistcoat already, as well. Gone to the, the the BBC website, and they're like, we're there already. <laughs> well, if you're listening to the Enhanced podcast, it will be in the Enhanced. Um, yes. You can see the photo of it in the Enhanced podcast. What I think comes across to me very clearly on this is not actually anything to do with the costume or whatever, but they look very comfortable together. They're, they're, they, I don't know how you discern these sort of things, but uh, being an experienced uh, reader of the human condition, uh, they look very com- uh, comfortable in each other's company there. Well, they're 
both reading the script, so <laughs> you know, I don't know how much you can read into that. One is just, well, we can't see what's going on behind Matt Smith's back. She may be having, she may have a knife in his back, but as far as we know, they're getting along. <laughs> they're getting along sonically. Yes. <laughs> I was sort of disappointed. Well, we don't know what the ramif- you know, the the you know the the what the story is. Uh, but she looks. I mean, if if you know if what she's wearing is her own stuff, she just looks very typical Earth, um, current Earth. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Contemporary. Contemporary. Yeah, and um, you know, so I was hoping that we might get something different in a companion, you know, than a contemporary Earth. Companion. But, but to be fair, that contemporary could be anything of the last 30 years. She's got like what looks like a a, a blue dress on with small floral design. You know, Laura, uh, is it Laura Paisley or whatever she's called? Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it could be anywhere from 1980 to modern day almost. Right. I mean, uh, there's, there's another shot of her where she's actually, you see how long the dress is and she's wearing tights by the looks of things. Or it could be very dark stockings. I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's it's very very difficult to tell, and you know who knows if it, she's even in costume. Yeah, yeah, we're assuming so since Matt Smith seems to be so. Right. Uh, I, I, I mean, that's the thing is all we can do on this is is assume and and draw conclusions from yeah. pictures, which is what we do as fans. Um, and Matt Smith is wearing the same trousers that he um, just. I know we we spoke about what he was wearing, but it looks like to be the same, you know, trousers that he had yeah, previously. Basic black trouser, yeah, you know, uh, wrinkled looking. But yeah, yeah the, the the top seems to be a bit of a change, which is nice. I I kind of like it. Oh, I, I do too. Yeah, I mean, I I've always said I like the I, I hate having the doctor in a uniform i always enjoyed i always use like um john pertwee and tom baker doctors as perfect examples how you can have the same look but change it up you know and wear different stuff right and i think the bbc have done a great job with these i mean they're provided in four by three aspects and 16 by nine up to quite high resolution things so i mean i mean i've got um the, actually, I've struck with the first one they put out. Uh, that's my preferred wallpaper at the moment. And um, there is – well, it's not really spoilish because I don't know, but um, the 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 pose that uh, the, uh, the girl the is – The pose is going to give everything away. Don't go into the – I'm only kidding. <laughs> well, the pose is in as much as – an earlier person that's been on Doctor Who has had a publicity photograph with that very pose with a hand up to her mouth. Oh, okay. You... Mm. I see that as reading an awful lot into it. But hey, that's just me. Everybody sees things in a different light. Is that, is that, by the way, are we expected somebody to say that there were, there were going to be four? I, I only see three at the moment. Is there still yet another one to come out? Uh, I suppose I, there will be. I only see two. They're, they're, they're labelled three. There's, oh, there's a top one and two below. Right. There's three so far. I don't know whether there is Oh, oh, I got to scroll. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. No, I, I still only see two. Let's see. Hold on. Well, there have been three. Nice. Okay. No, I'll take the, the most recent one, the Doctor has a script in his hands 
Um, That's the ones that I'm looking at. at I the, know. Is that the most recent one, Ian? Which which is the order they came in? There, there are two with him having the script in his hands, and that's the, the two that I'm uh, looking at. Oh, well, the one... Right, the, the most recent one is, is her looking over his shoulder, and he's holding the script. Right. And you can quite clearly see the TARDIS in the back. In the background over her shoulder. Yeah, that's, those are the ones that I'm looking at right now. All oh, right. Well, the first one, I, when I described this pose where she's got a hand to her mouth, is um, one of the... I think that was the uh, the first one that they put out. Right. I don't think there's going to be any more. It does not mention... On the, on the first photo, they mention that there's going to be a, a second. And on the second, they mention there's going to be a third. On the third, they don't mention anything about there being another one coming. Right. So I'm assuming that that's our lot. All right. Well, very good. What we'll do is uh, we'll, we'll put um, links. I, I know these pictures came out last week when I was at Blog World. I was hoping that someone might post a picture to our site, but I don't think anyone did. So I'll post something up. In the uh, one thing, Sheridan, uh, you're letting the side down. <laughs> <laughs> one final thing I think we can say is that it is pretty well known that um, the first uh, stories she's recording are not necessarily going to be the first story we see that she is in. That will be aired. So ah, there's uh, the first one. Okay, I had to. Um, I yeah. She's got her she, hand up to her. Face. Yeah, that's the one that's um, that Dave was talking about with her. It's reminiscent she's, to a very early person in Doctor Who history. She's cute as a button, I tell you. I'm rather enamored with her, to be honest. And I haven't even seen her do anything yet. It's like I haven't even watched her in in Titanic. Um, I want to see her in Doctor Who first. She looks completely different in Titanic. Should I just want to see this and then go back and watch that. I'm, it's like when I found out Matt Smith was going to be the Doctor, I didn't bother watching anything he was in because I just yes, wanted to see you. the Doctor first. You know, people were like, oh, dude, go ahead and watch it. It's like, no, 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 no. I want well, to think, Ian, think Eve Miles, the way she played Gwyneth. And then, <laughs> you know, where, 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 you know well, what I'm trying to say is this girl actress playing in Titanic – you know, did the historic and the, um, you know, the parlour maid uh, very well acted in Titanic. And now here she is uh, uh, being what looks a very model of a young modern girl. A modern maid. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that joke up, didn't I? <laughs> the Sixth Doctor can't do Gilbert and Sullivan. I don't know. <clears throat> Pirates. All right, so very exciting. We hopefully um, we'll we'll see her in action. I guess uh, on she debuts on the Christmas episode. Yes. So yes. we have it's June now. So we got another half a year. <laughs> It'll be here before you know it. I, I can't. I mean, it was just New Year's, and it's already June. What's going on? Time flies. Well, time flies, and in the meantime. Doctor Who fans vote on their favorite monsters, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, monsters. <laughs> well, a lot of in, in Doctor Who fandom, uh, they they call all the villains as monsters. But I mean, I mean, like the, the Master, I don't really consider him. I mean, you can consider him a monster, but <laughs> no, yeah, even <laughs> Davros is debatable. Yeah, so. Um, Shall we shall we go through the list? Uh, the top ten, starting at number ten, is the Santarans. I like the Santarans. I think uh, they're, they're one of my favorite. I know they had slightly uh, 
plastic look. I mean, I, I love the uh, the classic story, The Two Doctors, of course, with the Sixth Doctor and the Second Doctor, uh, and, of course, Jamie and... Uh, um, and uh, Perry love that story, but it, there's no doubt about it that the they weren't very well realised as Santarans in that story. But I do like them as an actual race. Now, before we go any further, let's just say that this was um, a poll that ran in the Radio Times. Is that right? With ten thousand fans voting. Indeed, yeah. Right. So uh, 10,000 fans voted in the Radio Times. Now, the Radio Times is uh, basically a, um, a magazine about uh, about TV and radio, obviously radio listings, um, BBC programming in the UK. So I would think most of the participants of this poll would be from the UK. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So um, – Moving along, number oh, so yeah, no, I agree. I uh, about the Santarans. I, I think they're a great um, asset to uh, the, the the various different flavors of villains in Doctor Who. Um, I'm still kind of prefer the the Santarans the way they were originally represented more so than modern day Santarans. But um, but I mean, I think they, they overall they they're very good. So, I like I like the really really tall ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, they should be menacing, even if they're not tall. They should have some you know heft to them, or as, um, I don't know. They just this is not war; it's sport. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it does uh, put some preconceptions, you know, on on that. You know, um, it, it kind of um, you know tackles that type of stuff when in the newer stuff you know where where they're short you know shorter and as a short person you know i can't have to appreciate that (laughs) (laughs) all right let's move along um number nine is the ice warriors i'm surprised people remember them yes how would you like the ice warriors (laughs) they are excellent would you leave some of the jokes for me cooper (laughs) (laughs) that should be quicker yeah i know wow so they haven't melted away from public opinion yet. No, I guess not. I used to think they were very scary. Of course, very slow moving. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, I don't really see how they could be brought back into the new series at all. Them and the Zygons, I really don't see it well. But, you know, Ice Warriors especially. They just seem really, really slow and cumbersome. Well, look, they, look at the Cybermen. <laughs> <laughs> they brought them back, and they're just as slow and cumbersome, uh, even more so now. Mm. Yeah. All right, so um, next on the list, number eight, is the Zygons, since you mentioned the Zygons. Yeah, well, because I was looking at the list. <laughs> it is surprising that they're only eight, because aren't, aren't they, guys, the most requested retur- returning monster yeah, there are pretty I, from uh, Doctor Pachak experience since you know we've been you know <laughs> been around. That's probably the most requested returning foe that we get. You know, as far as feedback goes. Mm. So the Zygons, yeah. So well, you know, I I think they could bring them back. Um, you know, because they're shape shifting and um, you know it's economical. You don't have to have um, them appearing as aliens all the time, but. Uh- yeah, and a very surprising thing that the, those bottom three that we've now listed, between them, only got 
one and a half percent of the votes between them. I mean, Just very the old low. fans were outnumbered by the new fans. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think this list is tilted in in that way that it's more of the newer current fans than old timers like us. Exactly. All right, so uh, number seven on the list is Davros. Shouldn't be in it. Not a monster. Well, it's a well, monstrous individual. But. Yeah. Well, I, I, again, I, I think it's kind of, you know it's sort of like um, there, there's certain givens in Doctor Who fandom where every time um, the word monster is used, it's usually describing a Doctor Who villain and not necessarily a monster per se. Yeah. Well, I mean, in that case, villains, you know, or oh no, I agree. Uh, I, I agree. or opponents, or just like um, you know, outside of the outside of the fiction, <laughs> Doctor Who, the the character Doctor is often referred to as Doctor Who, which isn't. It's just the Doctor, but um, in in much of the media and whatnot, it's uh, he's referred to as Doctor Who. All right. Well, speaking of the Cybermen, the Cybermen come in at number six, which is actually kind of surprising since, um, you know, I, I thought that they gained more popularity recently, but perhaps not. That's uh, 2.53% um, in, in the poll. It does seem strange. I mean, the, the thing is, this is a vote for favorite monsters. I mean, could it be that people are young people are too afraid of Cybermen? No, that can't be the case, can it? And do they give the ages of those they don't, uh, vote? I guess they don't know. Um, no. Well, All right, so... Um, yeah, it's one of those things that, like you say, they're, they're kind of slow and cumbersome. Yeah, well, I I was really disappointed with the, the Pete's World Cybermen. Mm. When I first saw the new costumes, I really thought they were going to be menacing and, you know, they, they were really going to uh, make up for some of the stuff they couldn't do back in the day. And it just, I know, they, they just become delete, delete, delete and stomping their feet. And it just, they didn't become the menacing villains that I had hoped they would be when I first saw the new um, new costumes. Right. So, uh yeah. It's good to have them back, but yeah. It's good, I, but yeah. I, I still, you know, I don't know. I, I know it's too expensive to redesign the costumes and all that, but for our Cybermen, our world Cybermen, maybe they, if they looked more distinctly different and behaved a little bit more different, it would have been better. Should I repeat the question? <laughs> yes. One of the best lines ever that Rory came out with yeah. in <laughs> Cyber. <laughs> You have to be quicker, Ian. I know, I know, I know. That's my Rory, tell you. So number five is really surprising. Man, you cast a shadow over this list. <laughs> so number five, above the above Cybermen, above Davros, above Zygons, Ice Warriors, and Centaurans is the the Vasta Narada. Narada. How is that number that, five? I suppose I should do that with a with a with a, uh, a ten and click at the end, huh? The best in Harada. <laughs> <laughs> New teeth. New teeth. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That seems to be the most surprising element on this list. Yeah, especially since they can't market that in the toy world, can they? Exactly. 
Well, you, 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 you get this uh, black shadow and a, and a chicken bone. <laughs> <laughs> no, you get the kid. You get, you get the kid going to the shop, and there's the box in Vasta Narada, and they hand over the ten dollars, and they start to pick up the box. And the shopkeeper says, "No, you can't have the box. You have the shadow." Yeah. <laughs> yep. Next idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a it is a bit of a surprising one. It's you know, um, like you said, toy wise and everything. You know, it's not something that. Well, I suppose kids can play with that whole idea of shadows and stuff. It's you know, because I'm thinking that a lot of the people that are answering this are the you know the younger people who are you know, and and maybe parents that you know they're you know they sit there with the kids and say, hey, what you know, what's your favorite? Did um, Dave? Did you see this poll in the Radio Times ahead of time? Did they were no, they uh, were they like uh, multiple choices or could you write in an answer or? I don't get the Radio Times. I, I lost faith in the Radio Times when... Uh, After you quote, saw this poll, I don't blame yeah, you. <laughs> no, 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 no. To quote some very, very clever raconteur who said, what are they doing putting a man lick on the front of that cover? <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> the man lick. The man lick, the famous Doctor Who porn star. Oh, I'm not going to go back into that. No, <laughs> no, no. You've already gotten enough trouble this I've already this got time. into trouble with that. So, but yes... <laughs> Um, they they really. I mean, the point is that they shouldn't have spoilers on the cover of the Radio Times. No, absolutely not. And the point is, it was so. Um, I mean, the place was plastered with them. Every supermarket, every shop, every uh, you know news agent. So it wasn't a question of you opened it up and uh, I mean I mean some of these great magazines FSX and so on they actually when you buy the magazines they have a spoiler section in them and that spoiler section is actually sealed up so that if you're flipping through the magazine in the shop you don't see it yeah. you know you actually have to go home and, and and you have to actually cut a little seal and then that opens like a a four or five page segment with all the spoilers in that particular segment. But this was right over, yeah. Yeah, for those that don't remember, it was uh, during the the episode, uh, the Daleks take Manhattan, or was it Daleks in Manhattan? Daleks in Manhattan, yeah. I think the Muppets take Manhattan. That's I'm getting my, my Muppets (laughs) and Daleks confused. (laughs) Muppets and Daleks take Manhattan. So uh, there's a reveal on that episode with, uh, you know, I'm assuming, okay, um, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it yet, but uh, at at some point in that story, there's a... um, and a combination of, of human and Dalek, and uh, um, and that's what's revealed on the cover. You know, that, that's why Dave called him, you know, was taking human, man, and then um, lick from Dalek and man lick. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, we can't say that without a little giggle. Oh, my. <laughs> <sighs> oh, my. Thank you, George. A little late on the uptake there, George. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, moving on the list, moving to number four, position number four is the master, which we don't know what master, but it's it's the master as the character as a whole, I guess. Yes. All right. Well, um, we discussed this earlier. It's like monster, you know. I I, I mean, I understand the whole, et cetera, whatever, but yeah. Yeah, it's like saying, "Oh, it would be your favorite athlete," and, and, and naming the guy who you know holds the stopwatch. 
He's not really an athlete. Yes, he does take part in sports. <laughs> <laughs> I like the guy that shoots the gun. Okay. <laughs> starting pistol guy, that's me. Yeah. Yes, we starting pistol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, and yeah, I haven't been I haven't been happy with the master in the new series at all. But hey, what do you do? Now, do you think when the master comes back, will um will will we see um John Sim return, or will, will it be a uh, a whole new master if he comes back? We're not saying he will. I, 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 I hope it's, it's only a, a matter of time. I think. I hope it's a different master. Because not yeah, because they like I, John Simmons, because they'd be kind the, of settled with having the same kind of character, and I don't like the master being that nuts. Yeah, I, th- that's the whole thing that I think that bothered both Dave, myself, and you, yeah, Ian, I, is that it was just a bit too rattled between the ears. He was a wild and crazy guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I always appreciate, and I always go back to the Roger Delgado original master, the how um, understated. You know his. I mean, of course, for what he, for everything that he was doing, yeah, he's crazy. But it was all understated, you know. And um, I rather, you know, I I'd rather see a mastermind at work and being, you know, more of a minority to, um, you know, to um, Sherlock than, you know, some crazy nut case, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just unhinged. Yeah. Even I mean, even the Ainley master was, you know. Gentlemanly and but cold and calculating too, not this kind of you know mm-hmm. dancing and carrying on stuff. Yeah, I mean, I still think that one of the most frightening things they did was in I think it was in one of the teasers, wasn't it, where we saw the master in in Downing Street with the with the the mask over his face tapping on the table. I thought that was very very frightening. Uh, but the the best ever acting, of course, was Derek Jacobi when he he I don't know how he did it, but he for, he went from Professor Yana spoiler 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 <laughs> to uh, to uh, just turning towards the screen. I don't know whether he used any trickery, but he's just in his eyes, and he became. Go on, Ian, you do it. I'll let you do it. I am the master. I only wish we had like a whole full episode of him as the master, you know. I, know. I, I think we got shortchanged there because I, I mean, he was great, you know, as as the professor. But then I, we wanted to see more of him as the master, and you know, you know, and of course he played the master before in the in, in an animated way. We didn't get to see his face. I mean, he, but he he voiced the master in the um, in the in the the um, sh- sh- scream of the shalker. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, number three, we're going to be silent on. Three is the silence. Yes. I think I think Moffat's been bribing a lot of people for this list. Yeah. Th- well, <laughs> now this is obviously shows that this is a contemporary fan list. You know, I don't know. All right, so number three is the silence above yeah, well, uh, Davros, above Zygons, Santarians, and I don't know. Well, well I, I think what it was with the with the silence, they were like um, call it stage montages. You know where like the, there's one where they go into the old school or whatever, and um, um, 
we've got to Amy Pond there, in, and then suddenly she looks up towards the ceiling and you, you see them hanging down. I mean, that is a really, really big uh, thing. But um, again, uh, now I was just going to say something else, actually, but I've just sensed myself. I was going to say, well, if the silence were there, why aren't the Cruatane? But, of course, the Cruatane were in uh, Sarah Jane Adventures, but um, they had a similar sort of uh, feel to them to me. No, they weren't. What? They were in school reunion. That was Doctor Who. There you are. I knew I was right. But Sarah Jane was in that one too, so that's... Mm. That's where I'm going from. That's where he's confused. Yeah. Now, there you are. The the chap who was in uh, school reunion, he should have played the master, shouldn't he? Mm. Giles. Yeah. Mm. Yes, that's such a shame that he probably never will. But he should. But, you know... Uh, I think the silence are dead creepy. Um, I can understand how they're popular, especially with the new fans. I mean, I I don't know if they were well used. I mean, I don't know if we're done seeing them, but they were dead creepy. Hmm. Especially when they're all hanging from the ceiling like that. It's kind of like yeah, that was definitely the scariest bit. Definitely creepy. And they were well tailored. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, number two. You are an enemy of the Daleks. You must be destroyed. Yeah, the Daleks. The Daleks are in there. I wonder if it's the Skittle Daleks or. <laughs> I was the thinking the same thing. Power Daleks, or <laughs> I, I'm hoping that's the last we've ever seen of those. Well, yeah, I'm hoping it's the last we've ever seen of those ones. Well, <laughs> I hope this this coming series that uh, that a Dalek comes out and and for the first time ever you really hear a Dalek laugh. <laughs> As the, the colorful ones turn to lacrosse and they start snickering at them, <laughs> and they blow them apart. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to go old school here. The although I do like the Daleks, I think they've been overused. The best ever appearance of the Daleks in Doctor Who was right at the start with the companion Barbara, and all you saw was one plunger, because apparently <laughs> the plunger. They, hadn't finished, they hadn't finished building the things, and that her her reaction to them... Was uh, terrifying. ...was fantastic, yeah, unbelievable. And uh, it, I don't know, i show that to a young kid now, I think they'd still be frightened by that thing. Uh, I can't think of any other time when they've been more frightening... Than in that I, first thing, I think Dalek they they did a pretty good job um, of, oh. of really kind of bringing on the menace of one what one single Dalek could do. This on mass Daleks, you know, being something sucked into vortexes and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, whatever, you know. But well, this that- one single Dalek, you know, manages to wreck all this destruction, and, and you finally get the plunger doing something. Damn scary. But Christian they had to do that back then because up until that point, after the series, you know, went on this long hiatus, you know, and we haven't seen the Daleks in proper Doctor Who since then, uh, the, they become a joke. You know, they were appearing on commercials. They were they, they were more of a comedy element in in culture than anything else. So when they brought the Dalek, Daleks back in, in the story Dalek uh, by Robert Sherman, um, it was – they had to do something that, that would – make them more, you know, bring them back to their menacing self again. Right. It, Rob actually uh, um, 
credits his wife on a lot of this stuff because she kept poking fun at them. I said, well, what's that for? What's the plunger for? And so she says, that doesn't do anything. And so he made it do stuff. Well, you know, Uh, they have sinks too, Daleks. They got to wash up and sometimes the sinks get backed up. So thank Rob Shearman's wife for some of that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Um, She kind of challenged them to to, to make it a little more, uh, you know, like what do these things do? You're going to make them do things, you know? Um, And I I remember kind of cheering when, when uh, the Dalek crushes that guy's face, <laughs> and you hear it cracking and everything. I'm like, that's it. That's what that's for. <laughs> yeah. In between and, um, taking over the universe, they do odd plumbing jobs. And, 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 uh, and make a mean omelet with their whisk. And I that's must right. admit, this exterminate, exterminate. is much better than delete, delete, delete. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, from. Um, I, I mean, I, I suppose it's no surprise that they are so high up there. I mean, um, the, the other thing is that, um, again, for for older, sorry, for longer term viewers of Doc Two, um, we did get into a phrase time when you know, every story, it, it's the master. Well, if it isn't the master, it's the Daleks. Well, if it isn't the Daleks, the master, uh, uh, and they 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 both got overused. Um, and I still think the Daleks. I, I, I mean, I don't feel as I have to see them in every series, um, and I'd much rather it be a surprise. I mean, how many how many stories have we had with the Daleks where the word Dalek is in the title? Mm. Yeah, gives gives the game away a bit. Yep. All right. Well, moving on to uh, the number one position. Drum roll. Ooh, wow, nice. no expense spared. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have a clip of that. <laughs> Did that old school with the fingers on, on the desk. <laughs> the Weeping Angels. Brilliant. Uh, they were good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put them on the top of the list, but that's it, me. I mean, that, I'm not saying they're bad, but they just, I don't know. I think they're getting a bit... They're, they're, they're going the way of the Daleks really quick. They're becoming, you know... Yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, yeah, I, I think so as well. You know, I, I, I think they work better if they use if they're if they use less. You know, I, I think the the more you expose them and more you use them, you know, even though it's not canon, like just that that recent um, um, script to screen episode, yeah, good as good as gold, good as gold, it, you know. <laughs> but that was children. They decided I know, to I know, use. I know, the point is, just, they decided to use the angels, yeah. which, in a in a sense, shows their popularity. There you go. Right. Exactly. So that's the number ten. That's uh, that's uh, ten uh, of the scariest. Is it not the scariest? The most favorite ever monsters in Doctor Who, voted by ten thousand Doctor Who fans in the Radio Times. Um, and it, any surprises? Not so much what's there, but what isn't there. I mean, this one wasn't there. The Jadoon. Well, I ain't the Jadoon in the list. The Jadoon platoon on the moon. Now, are they monsters? or are they, I mean, they're intergalactic no. police. Uh, they could well, be. Well, yes, you've got they, me there. You've they got could be there. intergalactic heavies. Yes. No, Slavine. No, Slavine. 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, how quickly they've been forgotten. I think they've they've been forgotten. <laughs> uh, and what really about the Silurians? Yeah. Again. Well, they've only had one outing, really. I mean, aside from, you know, a cameo appearance, you know. I beg your pardon. The Silurians have been around for ages. Well, this new series is, I mean, when you, when you look at this list, it's quite obvious who's voting, you know. Well, I was wondering if it was a multiple choice or a fill-in. That's why I'm, if it was a multiple choice, it could be just a, the, the, the fact that they weren't given an option to vote on, you know. Because if it was a fill-in, then obviously Ian would put Amy Pond in there, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not Amelia Pond, Amy Pond. I like Amelia. I I'm trying to think of anything else that's been completely missed out. It's very difficult. I mean, there, there are lots of one-off monsters, as you as you know. But um, we, have you got one you'd pick there, Lewis, or not as a number one? Um, as far as like what's missing? No, no. Uh, if you were asked. Uh, not not which was your worst villain, but your worst monster, our favourite monster. Hmm. I mean, it might have been the Sontarans, I think, out of that lot. Because I discount the Master and Davros anyway. Yeah, it's, um, you know... I, I, <laughs> Of course, there's so many preconditions too. Because I'm like, oh well, if, is it the new Santarans? Is it the old Santarans? <laughs> yeah, even if even if you were to include Davros and uh, you know, who, you know, he's been betrayed by several people. So it's uh, and the same thing goes with the master. Which master? You know, so if I was to include them, it, I, it would it would have to be the Roger Delgado master. You know, and. Not, not, I know, I know. I know. You secretly wanted the absorber off to be a top of the list. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that was um, that, that was definitely a Doctor Who monster. Definitely um, um, <laughs> destroyed an episode of Doctor Who for me. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we probably spent a l way too much time on this story than than we probably should have. So um, let's try to um. Um, tackle some of the other news stories before we run out of time. Where are we with time anyway? Uh, timey wimey. Yeah, we're already. I mean, we're almost an hour into the news, so <laughs> I think we uh, we should try to wrap things up here. What we've hardly got going. <laughs> I know, but we've spent so much. Well, time. Let, let, let's briefly cut to uh, what's the next one what about James Corden wins the Tony Award that's news isn't it uh, people will know which part he played I'm sure Ian will um, remind us of which no, part he played like the Lodger the Lodger don't like the man <laughs> <laughs> he okay, was well, in, the, it, in the 2010 story the Lodger and then he came back for closing time so now he won a uh, Tony Award for obviously Tony is a, a stage, stage you know, yeah. is, so it's not for his Doctor Who roles. It's for playing something non-Doctor. When did he? When did he come off playing something not Doctor Who related? <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, leading role in his play is performance One Man Two Governors. And um, so, congratulations, and we wish him well. Um, okay. 
a um, something for a, a remarkable sight for all Doctor Who fans is uh, to see all five Doctors in one room together, and that happened recently at a convention called Collectomania 18 in Milton Keynes. Now, Keynes, yeah. Now that's in the UK, all right? Yes. Yep. So we had Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, Tom Baker, Paul McGann, and Peter Davison sitting sitting, you know, sitting in a row in that order. Now that's my problem right there. Why couldn't they place them in the order of their regenerations? <laughs> well, I, I, I suppose Tom wanted to be in the middle. He sat in the middle chair. They sit congregated. They probably, they probably, yeah. According to the, because you can actually see the, the Q&A transcript, but the sounds of things, Tom came out first. He probably sat in the middle. <laughs> Made them sit either side of him. Yes, because he's Tom Baker, you know. And they're all sitting appropriately in a doctor's waiting room. Well, it looks like it one. <laughs> <laughs> So it's good, great to see them all together. This is the first time seeing all the living past, or what, we, what what many people call classic series doctors together in in one place. Um, to my recollection, yeah. Right, it's a fantastic picture. And of course, Star Trek fans had to to to, to come out with their own of all the captains. They had just recently, <laughs> coincidentally, they had all of, of the you know the the captains, TV show captains. yeah. yeah. Cisco, Janeway, yeah. Yep. <laughs> they just always have to try and win up, don't they? Well, it's <laughs> um, it's it's good seeing the five doctors again. Yes, Crocs obviously seem to be a uh, fashion statement at the uh, sixth and seventh. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, Crocs with socks as well. I don't know if I've seen Crocs and socks. Sounds like a Doctor Seuss book. Yeah, in the first picture, it looks like Sylvester McCoy is teaching us how to play the spoons by the looks of it. It's very... He's got his head down on this floor, <laughs> obviously looking for tips. <laughs> Put your money in that. <laughs> but we, just before the recording started, we were just debating which of them could still pass themselves off as a, a doctor pre-generation. And I think, Ian, you had the, the main thing to say about that, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Paul McGann, obviously, it'd be relatively easy, I think, for him. He's still you know, relatively young. Uh, whether they decide to go with, you know, the the wig that he had before or, or you know, which is another easy thing because he wore a wig when he did it. Yeah, you know, he, he's, he's, he's been vocal that he would, you know, if he did come back, he would rather not wear the wig again. I mean, I've seen pictures of him dressed kind of doctorish at, a, I think it was a New Zealand convention. Um well, there, there was a couple of years ago that he appeared at a convention in a new doctor's outfit, supposedly. But this, was, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean, and he had it's not uh, his hair quite uh, quite short there, and mm. uh, it looked good. Peter Davison, he's he's teetering on the edge. I mean, we saw him in Time Crash, and it did all right. Um, but of course, they had to point out the, the you know the fact that uh, he's thinning on top. Well, he was very young as the doctor. You know, he was right. at the time he was the youngest actor to play the doctor, so. It's you know, <laughs> you know it, it's kind of hard for him to play the pre-regeneration doctor that we are so familiar with right. from the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, the, the advantage that Paul McGann has is that we never saw him regenerate, so we don't know what the Eighth Doctor looked like at the end of his. Re- exactly. You know, good um, point. Good point. You know, and Sylvester, I think he could pull it off, um, because he's still. 
Well, to dye his hair, but I think I hate to sound rude, but he's still relatively the same shape. <laughs> um, and yeah, you just put a bit of hair dye or put the hat on him. Put the hat and, back on, yeah, because he wears hat an awful lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and so that's easy to disguise. Um, and we were discussing, you know, his, his um, problems with his his leg. Um, of course, it could be his physical, but you know, you could write that away in the script. Unfortunately, Colin and 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 Tom Baker, I think, would be the most difficult to to reprise their their roles without some serious um, wibbly wobbly timey wimey um, stuff being mentioned. Yeah, they'll, they'll have uh, to do this whole CG thing that they did with you know in Tron Legacy, you know, with yeah, Jeff Bridges. You, <laughs> yeah, you could totally do that. I mean. Yeah, the BBC must have that budget, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it worked well in the X-Men, too, with uh, uh, X-Men. Like Vito, the, the third X-Men yeah. movie yeah. when uh, they, they did Patrick Stewart and that. They, they made him look much younger, smoothed out the skin and everything. And Yeah, so it's anything's possible these days, I guess, with the right amount of money thrown at it. Mm. Very true. But, it, it, you know, it's great to see them all on stage. Of course, Tom's the biggest surprise. I mean, yes, he does conventions, but to see them all gathered together, that's uh, that's a, an amazing yeah. thing right there, I think, and, and a great thing. And, you know, it's one of those things I wish would happen over here, um, but unfortunately it never will, because apparently Tom doesn't fly. Is he not? Oh. No, I, I heard somewhere that, that you know somebody had said about uh, uh, him never being able to go to an American convention because he doesn't fly. Well, currently, I mean, he that, had in the past. It's, it's just something that I'd, I'd, I'd heard. Maybe he doesn't now. That to be that uh, Doctor Who cruise that occasionally he's done. Yeah, yeah. yeah so somebody mentioned that too. It was like, well, you get on a cruise. Yeah. No, I mean, he's been in the States before. I've seen him, but it's just um, not, obviously not recently. So. Yeah. Well, um, all right. Well, moving along in the news, there's a... Uh, K9, the series, is coming back for a second series run. Um, now, shouldn't they have already done? I mean, I haven't been keeping up with it, but didn't K9 come out a couple years ago? Mm, that's what I thought, too. Uh, yeah, but they take I, a long time to make because they're, they're animated. Are they whatever the CG, CGI'd? Yeah, I still have yet to. Um, I've seen the first episode that was, you know, put out, and that was it. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't um, been able to catch the others, though. Um, um, yeah, the, I, I was surprised that, that A, it was still going because uh, it, well, it must have been about two years ago because I, I remember showing it to Liam and I think he quit watching it after the second episode. I watched, I think, the third episode and uh, and then that was my lot, but it, it just didn't hold his attention at the time. Uh but yes, also, uh, it's uh, the first series is to be broadcast uh, from uh, from September on the Canadian channel BBC Kids, uh, which will see the show running alongside the Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, oh, and mm-hmm. Also, there's an announcement to be made soon about the show's premiere uh, within the United States during the autumn, which I'm sure will probably be on the uh, Disney Channel. Probably. One of the one of the Disney channels. Uh, yeah, because that, it was on that. Um, that other Disney, that Disney Channel, which I can't remember the name off offhand. Yeah, yeah. It's just the one where where Jeff, the Seventh Doctor, one of our uh, 
collective was saying that uh, is a bit disappointed that they're, they're doing this, and they've, they've apparently in America they've only ever shown the first series of Sarah Jane Adventures. Right, the, the Sci-Fi Channel just basically, I, I think they must have lost interest and they just stopped playing it. Which <laughs> I said, I mean, there's there, there there's a way of getting kids into your channel right there off the bat. I mean, Sci-Fi Channel. It's not, not wrestling it's, though. It's it's yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sci-Fi Channel is not known for its um, kid programming, and here you go. You could you could get kids into your channel right after school. Boom! Sci-Fi Channel, Sarah Jane Adventures. Boom! Yeah. If, unless they're hunting ghosts or wrestling, uh, they're not really interested. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there's been some upgrades made to K uh, Nine for the next series. Uh, Actually, uh, I wouldn't want to downgrade back to K Nine. <laughs> no K9. Of- this is, uh, with help of a fantastically talented CGI artist, I've uh, tweaked K9 for the second series, uh, said uh, uh, Bob Baker. Uh, taking uh, much of the criticism and, and likes from the fans, uh, we've done some test footage of this upgrade. All I can say at present is I never liked the big ears myself. That was a Disney thing. Uh. Uh, we can't say too much at this stage, but K9's future is looking very healthy. I, I, I wasn't. Pre- I like the premise of, of it being a you know, in the future type thing. Um, and uh, at some point, I might give it another try, but not in a huge hurry. And you know, now that Liam's getting a lot older and kind of getting out of Doctor Who, um, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Thank you, Canine. <laughs> From the real Canine. Is, uh, is John Leeson involved with this new K9 yes, series? Yes, he is. Okay. Yes, he, he does the voice. All right. Well, it has that going for it, at least. Yes, it does. All right. So uh, let's see what else is in the news. Um, David Tennant? Tennant is um, taking on a new role, doing a new drama. Yes. Well, it's um, it's uh, True yes. Love. It's actually, apparently, um, it's part. what's the word? Partly unscripted are mm. uh, a five-part... Semi-improvised series, yeah, showing over four days, uh, beginning this Sunday. Uh, this is in the UK at uh, Sunday twenty-five past ten, and uh, that's BBC One. True Love, uh, and also um, he actually features on the cover of the of uh, this week's Radio Times, or at least the week that we recorded this was this Radio Times. Yes. <laughs> um, so look for David Tennant on the cover. Uh, and he's not a man like he's, he's uh, David Tennant, so don't yes. look for and this, is a, and this is a reunion, because in episode three, shown on the Tuesday, yes. uh, former companion Billy Piper plays Holly, a schoolteacher forever destined to be with another woman. So... Um, to be the Billy other Piper. woman. I think your fantasies yeah. are taking over to... Anyway... <laughs> Stuck in an affair with oh, a yeah. man. Oh, right. I missed that bit out. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Doctor Who monsters. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, chipmunk girl. Um, <laughs> actually, in the, in, the, in the Radio Times, he actually does speak about uh, uh, his time. Diaries of a Call Girl? What are you talking about? I never watched the, that. In the TARDIS. Uh, Doctor Who opened more doors than it closed. I was never bored, uh, but I wanted to make sure I left before it became a job. I'm very glad it happened. Mercifully, I have I haven't been typecast. I must admit, yeah. been working subtly since he left, so that is a good thing. I thought your wife typecast him as a hottie. <laughs> she did. She did. 
So yes, it's good to see he, that he's all over the place because uh, yeah, gives my wife more stuff to watch. All right. Well, um, now one of his um, one of David Tennant's uh, companions, Noel Clark, has um, was he has he come out to say that he's um, his favorite oh. doctor is. <laughs> No, every time I say that, I get giggles. <laughs> People can come out and say different things. Doesn't mean it's, it's the doesn't mean they're coming out of the closet. Bill Clark has come out. Though he, d- I did enjoy say. him in the series Metrosexuality before Doctor Who. Uh, Noel Clark was uh, played a character in that, which um, which is an interesting series. If for those that uh, are interested, they could uh, catch some early Noel Clark in that, which. Um, I won't say anything more, but he, he may or may not come in, come out on that. <laughs> All right, let's get on to what, what what's the story about Noel Clark favors Eleven? I, I didn't read it, so I don't. I'm, is, am I to assume that he's uh he's coming out saying? Well, I better not say that again. He's well, he, he advocating always, Matt Smith as the Doctor. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he always had a you know a connection with the Tenth Doctor. Uh, but since he's been away from Doctor Who, he, he's now been able to sort of watch objectively, I suppose, and he now feels as though Matt Smith has come aboard and he's changed his allegiance. And I can understand, too. I mean, people are like, oh, you know, how dare you turn your back on the, the people you're acting with? It's like, well, I can understand it. A lot of actors don't watch the stuff when they're in it. Um, so, you know, now he's seeing it from a, an outsider's perspective. No longer involved in the series, uh, like you said um, uh, about Matt Smith's interpretation of the Doctor, um, he brought something different to it uh, that I like. No disrespect to the others, Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant. I'm not going to just. I'm just not going to say uh, I like them just because I work with them, you know. And yeah. uh, then also he, he, he says that uh, also when Matt got on, the budgets were larger and the show was more ambitious. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, it's. Uh, I know he's uh, has several other projects that he's been involved with since uh, leaving Doctor Who. So, um, and he's um, pretty active. Um, I think on Twitter and he has a Tumblr blog too. So, it's, uh, yeah. if you're interested, you can catch up on No Clock on the net. Also, you can catch him in the new Star Trek movie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the the J.J. Abrams Star Trek that is. Yeah. <laughs> you always have to do that. Don't I you? do because it's that's what it is. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> and that's the one, of course, that has uh, Benedict Cumberbatch in it as well. Sherlock. Yes. So let's get back to talking about Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> if we must. <laughs> Actually, I've got a bit, bit of news that's not on our list that I'd really like to cover. It kind of fell between the cracks and between shows. Um, and that is the, uh, the release of... Uh, on paperback of uh, Elizabeth Sladen's uh, autobiography. Ah. Uh, it uh, says it may likely uh, be re- uh, released on uh, the 1st of July, and you can actually uh, pre-order it at Amazon.co.uk. As to its availability in the U.S., I don't know. Um, but I'm sure if you look on Amazon.com, and of course uh, a lot of the uh, Doctor Who-related uh, stores that are uh, this side of the pond. I'm sure you'll be able to pick it up. I'm 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 looking forward to getting hold of it and uh, and reading it because I miss Liz. Mm, we all do. Yep, so yeah, absolutely uh, unbelievable. It's over 
a year. Was it something like the 19th of April, something like that, mm-hmm. last year? So, yep. unbelievable. Yeah, All right. And, uh, yeah, look for it. Uh, Elizabeth Slayton, the autobiography, and it's by uh, Aurum Press. That's A-U-R-U-M Press. Um, again, look out for it uh, coming out uh, sometime in July. Fantastic. But, you know, speaking of books we originally had scheduled for this episode, the, um, the editors, uh, Anthony Burke and Jess, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Anthony, Anthony Burge, Burge and Jessica Burke. Burke. And Christine Larson. The editors of the Mythological Adventures of Neil Gaiman. Dimensions, Dimensions. Dimensions. What did I say? I, I, did <laughs> I say Adventures? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. He's losing the will to live, folks. <laughs> <laughs> the brain has just completely fried. So, uh, but there was a an emergency that came up. So uh, we wish, uh, you know, I, we wish them well, and we'll have them back on the show as soon as possible. So, uh, apologies. I know we had um, promised that they were going to be here, and we're going to be giving. We are still going to be giving away their books, but um, it's you know we want to have them on the show first to talk about the book, and before we start giving them away. So, um, so yeah, we'll we'll have them soon once. Um, hopefully, maybe uh, maybe next week. We've got we've got one more piece of news. It's uh, Bert and Ernie. Oh no, it isn't. It's uh, Bert and Dicky. <laughs> BBC has released two clips featuring Matt Smith talking about his role in the new BBC One drama. Bert and Dickie. Uh, this is again from the DoctorNews.net. Uh, Smith plays Bertram Bertram Rush Rushnell. Uh, in the drama about two rowers that were together just over five weeks before the final of the 1948 Olympics. You may have escaped, or the news may have escaped you, that this year the UK are hosting the Olympic Games for the first time since 1948, and therefore, of course, they're bringing this story out on the back of that. Um, the personal battle reflects a much greater struggle as London prepares to host the post, post-war games. I think they were called the Austerity Games, by the way. Um, so uh, that's the, uh, the the piece of news with Matt Smith. Uh, it amazes me, you know, that these people, when they... I mean, I, I do remember reading about uh, when things like Smallville and all these things in America, you know, when they did 26 or 20 four episodes a year, the actors had about two months a year off and they'd go and make a TV movie. If I were them, I'd be, you know, off to Aspen or off to somewhere <laughs> nice to have a lovely holiday. But uh, it seems as though they have to work through their vacation. I guess um, this is the opportunity to get some work, you know, outside of Doctor Who, so... It will be shown, by the way, in... Uh, this drama will be shown in uh, on BBC America at some time. Um in actual fact, the Wednesday, the 25th of July, uh, it will be reaching BBC America. Yeah, very cool. You know, um, speaking of which, I was on uh, the Long Island Railroad recently and saw posters from uh, put up on the trains promoting Doctor Who. Promoting, uh, the, I'm going to um, put some pictures up on our website about it, but the, it's amazing to see, you know, even back in the, you know... <laughs> Back in the day, you know, when uh, Doctor Who was, uh, you know, hitting its peak here in the, in the U.S. back in the '80s, you would never see this in, in the, you know, on in the mainstream, you know, advertising. And so 
yeah, they were. It wasn't directly relating to. I mean, it was directly relating to Doctor Who, but it wasn't promoting the show itself. It was promoting the the channel. But they made references to uh, you know my other my other motor transport is a TARDIS or something like that. You know, and obviously stuff that that Doctor Who fans would know. But it's, it's directed at the mainstream public, so I just thought that was pretty amazing. Right. All right. Well, I think that's going to round out our news, right? One, one, one oh, brief really? interruption. One brief interruption. Okay. Um, just having looked on Amazon.com, uh, the release date in the U.S. Uh, for Elizabeth Slade, the autobiography, is October 1st. Uh, but you can go ahead and pre-order it. It's on Amazon.com for $15.95. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. 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 <laughs> Right. So you do something cool and they all try and copy you. <laughs> We're gonna get feedback on that, no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, we'll be we'll be back uh, with more talk to you, Podshock, and we're gonna get your feedback because you had more to say about you know to us and we want to hear from you. As always. This is Peter Davison and you're listening to the Doctor Who Podshock. We're going to do something different in our audible recommendations for this episode of Doctor Who Podshock. Normally we recommend a, you know, a singular title and this time we're going to actually recommend two and there's a reason for that. Well, unfortunately, there are, the, the reasons are, are unfortunate reasons because um, it concerns the, the passing of two Doctor Who uh, companions, two lovely companions. Um, we have Caroline John and Elizabeth Sladen both have left us. Um, and the Caroline John had narrated the Elizabeth Sladen autobiography that we spoke about earlier in the news section. So that's going to be naturally one of our selections. And the other is Inferno, Doctor Who Inferno, in which Caroline John narrates the audio book of, which she starred in originally the, the you know, when it was uh, the television broadcast episode of that. So, uh, for those that un- are unfamiliar with um, Inferno, it's it's a story that deals with drilling, and eventually we are treated to a parallel world, sort of a mirror-mirror universe of Doctor Who, where things are not exactly as one would expect. So it's interesting there you see Caroline John in this story playing a parallel version of Liz Shore. So she has some fun and uh, she can play it differently. And um, so she has some fun with that. Um, But um, these selections are available. You can make either one of these your free selection from Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre, including science fiction, but more than just sci-fi. They also have comedy, romance, business, well, any all the genres they have it covered. Audible plays on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you listeners of Dr. Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. So to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And if 
you're, if you happen to be listening in the car right now and you can't write that URL down, just go to our website, podshock.net. You'll see a link for the offer on the sidebar. So you can get a free audiobook. And as I said, we're going to recommend two this time around. And one is the Elizabeth Sladen autobiography. And we had recommended that back, um, I think, in February. So we're sort of doing a repeat, <laughs> double dipping, if you will. Uh, but it's, you know, we did speak about the autobiography in the news section, and Caroline John does narrate the book, so it just seemed poetic that we um, that we make that as the the recommendation, you know, in, in celebration of the paperback release of that book coming out soon. Caroline John. Uh, Caroline, Caroline John reads the captivating autobiography of Elizabeth Sladen with the foreword by David Tennant and postscript by Brian and Sadie Miller. Mm-hmm. So it looks like Caroline John reads it. Mm-hmm. It's so, sweet, but still. Yeah. So here's a, a little clip from that. Now, this clip has David Tennant. David Tennant does the forward. So it doesn't feature Caroline John in this clip of um, of the, the Elizabeth Slade in the autobiography. And uh, then we'll come back and we'll, we'll do a clip from Inferno, which does feature Caroline John in the clip. A long table scattered with scripts, water bottles and paper nameplates stretched the whole length of the room. What felt like hundreds of people milled around expectantly, chatting, checking blackberries, casting sideways glances as I tried to keep breathing and affect an air of insouciant calm. I took my place in front of my little paper sign and glanced around the table. And there, just across from me and down to my left, a face from my childhood leapt out from among the throng. Sarah Jane Smith was quietly leafing through a script and composing herself for the afternoon ahead. Perhaps she was sipping a glass of water, maybe chatting to her neighbour, I don't remember now. All I remember is the sense that in that moment, someone familiar, someone comforting, and someone slightly magical had come to make sure everything was going to be all right. If Sarah was here, there was nothing to worry about. Later that afternoon, she would be calling me doctor. The little eight-year-old in my head, who was frankly reeling at the fact that I was in that room at all, was soothed and, of course, thrilled that the doctor's one true assistant was there to look out for him. Of course, later I would get to know Liz and realise she was just as nervous as me that day, but in that moment she represented all that made me want the job in the first place. It was her voice that transported me. In one line, she catapulted me back to Saturday tea times, the little catch in her voice as she confronted the latest intergalactic horror. The jeopardy was always palpable. Everything seemed so real, almost raw. Everything Sarah did was alive and true. Liz's absolute conviction in playing that role brought the worlds of Doctor Who to vivid, irrefutable life. There was no danger that a cheap set or a less than convincing rubber mask would puncture the magic when Liz was there, believing in everything around her with such passionate certitude. And here she was, just the same. The same conviction, the same passion for it. She was utterly consummate. And, of course, she looked the same. Everybody would say it, but Elizabeth Sladen never seemed to age, either in looks or spirit. As an actor, you're not supposed to get starstruck. It isn't the done thing to be in awe of someone you're working with. It wouldn't be very helpful if you couldn't look your co-star in the eye when you're supposed to be playing their boss or their lover. 
It's a professional necessity that you can at least pretend to be easy in the company of your colleagues. I would have to admit to a handful of instances where such professionalism has failed me, though, and that afternoon, when I finally met Liz, was one of them. Reading through the script was easy. I was doing scenes with Sarah Jane Smith. I'd played. So that is Elizabeth Sladen, uh, the autobiography that she had written, and um, it features, uh, again, Caroline John narrating, and David Tennant is, did the forward there. Let's jump to, uh, well, let's jump back in time to the third Doctor's Error uh, with Liz Shaw playing the companion, played by Caroline John. This is Inferno. That's the name of the episode and the name of the story. This uh, audio book is, uh, the book is, it's based on the book by Terrence Dix, and it's um, read by Caroline John. Sicky flushed. I saw the report of the malfunction some time ago. When I saw no report of its repair, I assumed that you had overlooked... I overlook nothing, Sir Keith. The malfunction is not sufficiently serious to warrant a deceleration of the drilling rate, and you have no authority to order one. As executive director of this project... As executive director of the project, Sir Keith, your concern is with such vital matters as the facilities of the canteen and the new duty roaster for the cleaners. Anything to do with drilling is my concern and mine alone, and that includes minor maintenance problems. Surely, in a project such as this, there can be no such thing as a minor problem. Professor Stallman sighed. I'll make a bargain with you, Sir Keith. You stay away from my drilling operation, and I'll let you run your canteen. Stallman turned away dismissively. After a moment, the now thoroughly routed Sir Keith hurried out of the drill area. Doing his best to ignore this embarrassing scene between his superiors, Harry Slocum finished replacing and rebolting the warped pipe section. He noticed a smear of some dark green substance at the point where the old section joined the new. Curiously, he touched it and snatched his hand away. A terrible burning sensation swept through his entire body. He examined his fingers in horror, expecting to find them badly burned. But there was only a tiny, dark green stain. Wiping his fingers on his overalls, Slocum began packing away his tools. Suddenly, he felt very strange. It was almost unbearably hot, and nothing seemed quite real. Flu, thought Slocum, or some kind of fever. He'd better report sick. Back in the main control area, Sir Keith was talking to an attractive, white-coated young woman with a pleasant open face framed by long, fair hair. Her name was Petra Williams. She was Professor Stallman's personal assistant. But why is he so unreasonable? asked Sir Keith plaintively. You would think I was some kind of rival, an enemy even. Petra did her best to defend her chief's behaviour. He's worked on this one project for many years. Naturally, he feels possessive about it. Sir Keith nodded, trying to make allowances. Eric Stallman had grown up in the ruins of post-war Germany. 
to have reached his present eminence must have taken years of terrible struggle against unimaginable difficulties. Stolman was brilliant, no doubt of that. They would just have to bear with him. But marvellous he was, Sir Keith had a streak of obstinacy. He had no intention of allowing Stolman to endanger the safety of others. I've got another piece of news he won't care for, Petra. Maybe you'd better break it to him. Oh, what's that? I've sent for a drilling consultant, a chap called Greg Sutton, one of the most experienced oil men in the world. But this isn't an oil rig. The whole operation is run on completely different lines. Nevertheless, I should feel happier if someone on this project knew a little more about the purely practical aspects of drilling and its dangers. Petra sighed. So when does this expert arrive? Any minute now, he's flying in from Kuwait. Engrossed in their conversation, neither Petra nor Sir Keith noticed that Harry Slocum, toolkit abandoned, was walking slowly out of the tunnel, a strange, dazed expression on his face. He had a ghastly greenish pallor, and he clutched a massive pipe wrench in his right hand. Professor Stallman had seen him go, but he had scarcely registered Slocum's appearance. To Stallman, the technician's departure meant only that the repair job was finished. He turned to a nearby technician. Put number two pipe back into service. Accelerate drilling speed three and a half percent. We now have to make up. A so that's Inferno, and it's, um, it's good to hear Caroline John, and she does a, a great job with all the various voices and characters in this story. Um, I mean, I, again, it's, it's it's sad to see that she's left us as well. You know, when I say as well, because uh, of Elizabeth Sladen as well, she did the narration on that. So um, it's a great loss, but. They will live on, they will be remembered, and you can continue to enjoy their works in Doctor Who, not only in the TV series, but in these other um, off spin-offs, if you will, uh, well, offshoots, if I guess would be a better word, uh, such as the audiobooks. So that's Inferno. Once again, this could be your free selection from Audible. Simply go to audibletrial.com. Slash Pachak. Again, that's Audible Trial, one word, dot com slash Pachak for your free audiobook. And we're back with Dr. Pachak. And as always, we always enjoy hearing what you have to say, um, no matter what. No matter what it is, we enjoy hearing it. You can uh, express your thoughts by calling the Dr. Upachak public call box at 206-984-3543. Once again, that's 206-984-3543 for the Dr. Upachak public call box. And basically it just works as voicemail. You call, leave a message, and um, we get to hear it and um, hopefully play it on the show. So just keep it, you know, so that we can play it on the show, you know, keep it short to the point, and um, um, it, that would be very cool, just like bow ties are cool. Uh, you can also send feedback to feedback at net, and you can record, uh, you can use uh, your voice uh, uh, memo feature on your smartphone if you have one, and do a, um, and I'm, I'm pushing voice because that's, that's an audio podcast, so we prefer um, audio feedback. 
obviously. So if you can, you know, send us your audio feedback. If not, you can always write to us and you can send feedback, um, you know, to the feedback address, feedback at podshock.net. All right. Well, first up in feedback is a regular feedbacker. (laughs) (laughs) A regular uh, listener that sends feedback to us all the time. The one and only, even though there's 750 of them, but the one and only D Scott 750. Hey guys, D Scott 750, Scott. I was working on my blog today and I had an epiphany. Anyway, I was talking about how it'd be great to see the twin Cushing movies redone. I know, beating a dead horse. <laughs> but uh, the epiphany was what if the 96, in the 96 movie, McGann's comment about being half-human was an ode to these two movies. That was my epiphany. He's got 750. Ciao for now. Ooh, a shiver went down my spine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't think you were legally allowed to say that anymore. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> well, I suppose you could argue that um, from Peach Cushing, we went from human... So the 96 movie to half human to uh, the ninth Doctor back to fully alien. He's always been fully alien in my book. <laughs> I know. But the point is, you could see it as a transition, you know, bringing Peter Cushing's Doctors uh, as the, what was he, just a, a professor, wasn't he, a scientist, mad scientist. Yeah, the Peter Cushing films are very much off-canon. If you haven't seen them, um, they're off-canon from the... Original from the the original television series, and even though they're based on stories, the Terry Nation stories that were originally produced for television, uh, that's basically you know those same stories retold, and um, but the uh, the characters and have been changed, and the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Yeah, he, he, basically, it's a professor, professor who, uh, you know, or Doctor Who, who is his last name in in the the Peter Cushing films. And by another name, we have a character that some people know as Wolf. Well, wasn't really then. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, you know what? It's uh, as much as um, sometimes we rag on the Peter Cushing films, it's still worth watching and still part of Doctor Who history, even though it's not, you know, I don't consider it canon as far as the series goes, but it's still interesting to watch and uh, enjoyable films. And, you know, if, again, put yourself in the mindset of when and how they were made and, and you get to see the Skittle Daleks. Um, in the, <laughs> back Multicolored when, swap yes. shop ones. Yeah. <laughs> I love the mumbling. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, moving along in feedback is uh, once again uh, another well, who's becoming a regular uh, feedbacker. <laughs> Justin from Ohio. Hi, guys. This is Justin from Troy, Ohio. And I just got done listening to episode 271 with the John Treadle interview. And I just had to call in and say that that was great. Uh, I, I love hearing when people do something that's ultimate geeked up like that um, for Doctor Who. Uh, it's always been uh, something I've really wanted to do, but... Unfortunately, 
of all the people I know in my life, I've never physically met another Doctor Who fan. So I've never really had anybody to work with to do something like truly, truly uh, uh, geeked them like that. So uh, I, I really enjoyed that interview. Uh, I'm kind of envious in a, uh, a Who fan sort of way. I uh, wish I would have thought of something super geeky like that to do. But I will definitely check out the website and enjoy it. Uh, once again, loved hearing uh, you three guys, Ian, Dave, and Lewis together. I, I just, you, it, you can, you can tell. It sounds like you guys are having a ton of fun when you're doing it, and I think Podshock was missing that for a while. Um, so I really hope you guys continue to do it together. Uh, I mean, I know Dave and Ian have other podcasts and things, but uh, really, the Podshock Collective. I think is uh, is the way to go. It's fun to listen to. You guys are awesome. Um, and if you could let me know where I could get my Dave AC poster, that'd be cool because he is like he's cool. I think Dave is awesome. So thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate the show, and I can't wait to hear the next episode. Take care. Awesome. I was getting all misty-eyed until I heard the uh, Dave AC poster bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the congratulations must go to Ian on that, who conducted that John Pedal. It was a, a really good job, Ian. Excellent job. The uh, Podshot Collective, there's a name to conjure. It's <laughs> <laughs> a slow takeover. <laughs> then we just lose the Podshot and bring in Colton. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, you will no. be assimilated. Oh, Thank what? you very much, Justin. I don't know whether yes. those you, comments Justin. are deserved, but it's very nice of you to express them. Yes, Ed, you are right. Ed, uh, we we do a lot of fun, um, and uh, yeah, it helps that Dave's been drinking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, See, I'm, try, I'm trying to ruin his reputation. It's not working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, when when uh, Lewis does these shows and you wonder why it takes a couple of weeks for them to come out, it's the hour and a half of outtakes he has to cut out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All that drunkenness. As well. <laughs> no, it's it's fantastic recording with both of you. I, um, it's it's always a delight. And and how much are you paying, Justin? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the checks in the mail, let's put it that way. But, uh, I, no, I do have to say thank you, Justin, and uh, thank you to John um, yeah. for, for for coming on the show and talking to us. And uh, I think it's clear to everybody that from, from listening to him talk that he does love what he does and he, he loves Doctor Who. And uh, and also uh, thanks to uh, Paul Schoons for suggesting it and, and lining everything up for me uh, and getting me back in contact with John, because it had been a long time since we talked. So, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of people were involved in, in, in pulling this thing off, and uh, we're really, I mean, it's a lot of fun doing these things and doing these interviews and catching up with people. Um, but it's really great when we get feedback from people saying that they really enjoyed listening to it um, and and that they got something out of it. You know, that's that's where it all pays off. Um, so, thank you, Justin, for for letting us know. Mm. And for John's benefit, I think you ought to mention one word, Ian, that has a silent W in it. Broadcast. Yes. Um, Broadcast. So the website is broad with a with, with a D with a W after the D in case yes. you know you're punching in the URL in. Broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, now we're going to go to someone in your home state of Florida, Greg. Yay. 
Shockers. This is Greg from Florida calling. Uh, I just wanted to say that I enjoyed your review of The Invisible Enemy, which I have to admit is a story that I can only watch for laughs. But yes, it is the introduction of K-9, so I enjoyed that. Um, maybe you guys could review K-9 and Company sometime, if you've not already done so, because that is part of Doctor Who canon, I believe, right? Um, I remember the opening credits for K-9 and Company, the pilot episode, are just so bizarre in a 1980s way. It's like an 80s music video with random scenes of Sarah Jane sitting there with a the newspaper, Sarah jogging down a random road in leg warmers, and then what on earth is Sarah doing sitting at a railroad track with a typewriter and a glass of wine? It's just so random, you know. I miss Liz Sladen. Um, I also wanted to mention that I did find that Doctor Who Baby YouTube video that you mentioned on the podcast, and that is hilarious. Everyone needs to see that. It's like the baby stops crying when the end credits come on, and then the show stops, and then the baby is about to start crying again when the uh, opening credits come back on again. And uh, one Doctor Who, Doctor Who fan um, left a uh, comment uh, on the page there that says something like, um, quote, uh, the baby and me have a lot in common so we can't wait for the show to come back on. Um, so, hey, and it uh, looks like someone's trying to get my attention. He heard his name. Hey, K-9. K-9, are we talking about you? You want to say hello? This is my little friend, K-9. I wish you could see him. He's a good boy. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Say hello, K-9. Can you say hello? He's three years old. He's so cute. Yes, you are, dear old thing. People think I was crazy to name him K-9. But they just don't get it, do they? You know, the wife said that this doesn't make sense, but uh, I know the Doctor Who fans will understand. Won't they, K-9? Yes, they will. You are a good boy. Okay. Um, so, thank. yes, you are a good boy. So thanks a lot. Uh, keep up the good work, and don't wander off. I was expecting to hear affirmative muster. Yeah, there you go. Affirmative. There you go. <laughs> and while Ian looks up uh, the URL for his YouTube, there I think he go. was referring to this little theme. It's a good idea, Lewis, if we did something about K9 and company. Have you got that in the works yet? <laughs> well, being time travelers that we are, <laughs> we went back and we recorded, uh, after hearing this uh, feedback right now, we went back and recorded a K9 review story, which um, episode that is, um, which is uh, coming out on the on the Podshock Supporting Subscribers feed. So you'll get to hear our review of Canine and Company. Yes, we did do a review of it just um, just recently. And it's in the works right now. It's being, um, it's, I'm working, I'm editing it right now as I'm recording this show. That's why I sound distracted. <laughs> <laughs> Multitasking. Yeah, and Greg, um, thanks for watching that video. That's, uh, that's my uh, Sutton Callum. He was, uh, I think, about six months at the time he's, he's almost almost two now um and and well doctor who still does it for him uh it's useful in the car <laughs> i i bring up the theme on my my uh iphone uh in case he gets a bit crotchety always makes him stop um but he does he's a big fan of science fiction themes um stargate SG-1 as well, brings him running to the TV. He'll just stand there until the song's done and then off he goes. But, uh, yeah, for anyone who uh, wants to see it, um, 
It's uh, called Doctor Who Baby, um, but it's on my channel. Um, I'm the Sixth Doctor, T H E Six T H Doctor. Um, that's me on YouTube. I don't know how to put the link in here, but uh, Lewis might do that. I don't know. Well, but that's the numeral mm. six, not spelled, isn't it? Yes, yes. the numeral six. Yes. Um, so yes. Um, cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dave, did you want to take tackle this last feedback from oh, um, Blue Box Blue Bill? Box Bill? I'll have a go at it. Yeah, but uh, I'm well into my uh, bottle that's uh, larger on the inside than I'm, I'm on the outside. Sh- that, so. Being that the case, I'm sure you'll still do a better job than I would. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, we're not worthy. Well, they may not be, but I am, and I want to say thank you to you and Dave for your kind words at the conclusion of Podshock. 270 about my contributions to the site recently i was asking my nephew about how the internet makes it possible for fans from around the world to share and enjoy doctor who in a way that could never have been realized in the day of print only fanzines club newsletters etc i described to him how our local fan club doctor who md the md stood for mason dixon for we had members from both sides of the mason dixon line invested a great deal of time and effort into the production of our club newsletter, the Gallifrey Communique, and how, to my way of thinking, the Gallifrey and Embassy served an extension of those days as well as modern-day equivalent, of which is, uh, which is why I was happy to become a supporting subscriber of Podshock. I suggested that he check out the site. He did, and he joined. Happy travels! That's great. Thank you, Blue Box Bill, as always. And uh, once again, check out, you know, I, I mean, obviously we're, we're, we're plugging our site, but that's where you you find the writings of, of Blue Box Bill on uh, Pachok.net. He's done a great job there with um, essays that he has written in the forums. And um, it's always interesting what he has to say. So definitely check it out. And the Gallifrey Communique, I sort of remember that back in the early days, back um, well, actually, as we record this, it's June. What's today? The thirteenth. So next Monday, as is the eighteenth, will mark uh, the anniversary of the Gallifrey Embassy, which will be, let's see, nineteen eighty-five, twenty twelve. What is that? Twenty-seven years, something um, like that. Uh, yeah, twenty-seven years of since the Gallifrey Embassy started. But back in the day, there was a newsletter exchange between various. Doctor Who fan clubs, and I do recall seeing the Gallifrey Communique. You know, um, that does ring a bell. All good, all good. All right, well, um, I think I already put Dave and Ian to sleep. What? Sorry? Oh. <laughs> huh? Huh? What? <laughs> And, and our listeners, I'm sure it's time for you guys to wake up as well because the show's <laughs> coming to an end. We made it through another one. New news, <laughs> hungry. More news, hungry. This was this was another show where you know we had set originally. You know, we carved out the whole show that to with um you know to interview Anthony, Jessica, and Kristen about the book. And at the last moment, you know, they had to uh, postpone because of an emergency. So I was fearful that okay, well, <laughs> well now we got nothing to talk about. And once again, I'm proven wrong. <laughs> do you want do you want to mention what someone wrote in the in our in our uh, show notes <laughs> about how long we thought we'd spend on you? Yeah, well, I had, <laughs> I suggested the news segment should be fifteen to twenty minutes in length. 
an hour and 15 minutes later, we got through it. Yeah. My comment was, <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> some We're Doctor Who fans. Some we talk about a flora. photo for an hour. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank both of you two uh, for joining me once again. And I also want to thank, obviously, all our listeners. And uh, um, and I, I, I know um, there's been um, some space between shows, so hopefully we can close that gap and um, we'll get back on a regular basis, you know, getting the shows out on a more regular basis. So, but I think that's going to wrap things up for this show. Right. Unless you're a time traveler, in which case they all come out at the same time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in which case you don't have to wait. The next one's now. <laughs> well, there are some people that do that, that will, um, you know, listen to one after another after another and, I advise them not to because I'm not responsible for any medical conditions that may arise from doing that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Speaking of medical conditions, I think we need to get uh, Dave tucked in bed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for having us. It's it's, it's a pleasure as always to be here. And as always, uh, check out the Cultum Collective. Uh, It's available on on iTunes and also on TalkShoe.com. They do a live show on Sundays at 2 p.m. Eastern, well, depending, Eastern time. I was going to say Eastern Daylight Time, but if you listen to this during, you know, Eastern Standard Time, it's still 2 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> and it's now actually available, if you have a BlackBerry phone, it's now available on their RIM podcast. Oh, very uh, good. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we're we're there too, so that's uh, more the merrier. Yay. All right, so cheers, everyone. Until next time. Bye. 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 <laughs> Goodbye, Duggan. By Menon. <laughs> <laughs>You have been listening to Doctor Who Parchock, presented by the fan-run GallifanEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Parchock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Parchock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifrey MBC and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices, now available in the iTunes App Store. How did you do? Uh, I don't know. Lucky fellow, having a pretty face uh, around the place. Oh, she's not just a pretty face. Oh, no, no. How are you? How are you? Personnel, this will be dealt with by Miss Shaw. Oh, yes. Yes. Have you never heard of female emancipation? Where have they taken you, Elizabeth Shaw? Did you find a hero? Am I interrupting? Yes. You are Elizabeth Shaw. How did you know my name? Your daydreams are scribbled, Elizabeth Shaw. You can't do it in your pretty young head. I feel warm and ghost as you pass through my soul. Doctor? I'll send for a doctor.
I happen to be a Dr. Brigadier, remember? It's not really a police box. It's a spaceship. Where has been taken you will live, Bishop? Or are you an angel? Like Peter Pan. Dreaming forever. In never, never land. An expert in meteorites, degrees in medicine, physics, and a number of other subjects. Just as a more rounder, I believe. Entirely care for your tone. Don't much care for yours either. Sometimes you can be very aggravating. Me? The brigadier's stranded in Peru and Michelle can't make it back from moon base until Sunday. What are we going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> 